there is this vibe of a potential recession. And so I think that consumers are naturally pulling away from any kind of uh, additional spending. If you're at 20% patient referrals and you're at 80% marketing, something's broken in your organization. Shouldn't be that ratio. You cannot go in and fine tune or fix something if you don't know what's wrong. And the data is there to indicate what's wrong. Welcome to another episode of Dental Rift. I'm your co-host, Gary Bird. I am the founder of SMC National, where we help you create, convert, and close more new patients so you can grow the way that you want. I am Tanner Applegate, CEO and founder of Unify. We are a SaaS solution to help centralize all the different tools you're using in one single place. So we got a hot one today. We got a couple of topics. First of all, uh, we're going to talk about one of the biggest companies in AI right now that most people don't know about. And then I also want to talk about some of the things that are disrupting the dental space for some of the biggest DSOs out there. Some of the bigger DSOs are getting squeezed really, really hard. I've gotten a bunch of calls about this. I know people have talked to you about this, Tanner. We're going to talk about this and how this impacts our audience. And then uh, you also had, um, what were the ones that you wanted to go over, Tanner? Yeah, so some of the things that I've been connecting with a lot, I've connected a lot with some European dentists, right? In the DSO space and... and uh, Europe is probably 15 to 20 years behind in America. So I'll just chat a little bit about my experience of what I've learned with the D- the European DSO space and how it differs from the American one. Awesome. Okay, cool. So let's jump into NVIDIA. So obviously you, a couple a while back, you called your shot on NVIDIA. You said, I asked you a question. I said to Tanner, if you were going to invest in any AI company, who would it be? And you said NVIDIA, because they're making all the processing chips and they are kind of at the center of everything, like wherever they go, that's where the, the industry is going to go. And you were 100% right. They are growing like crazy. The NASDAQ is absolutely up across the board. And it's largely because NVIDIA is hitting all of their earning marks and actually going to exceed them by 20 or 30%. So they're crushing it. But their origin story is crazy. So Fast. I just listened. Yeah, I listened to another podcast. And so this guy starts this company and he was like way off the mark. He was way ahead of his time. And they weren't making a lot of money. And finally, they got a big contract from Sega, you know, the video game company. And they said, okay, we're going to make the chips for all of the Segas. And so they got this big contract. They agreed it. They signed to it. And they ended up not being able to have the right process to make those chips. So the CEO went to the, uh, the CEO of NVIDIA, went to the CEO of Sega and said, hey, we messed up and we're not going to be able to do this job. You should go look for somebody else to do this job but I still need you to pay us because if you don't pay us, we're going to go out of business. And he somehow convinced Sega to continue to pay them, even though they weren't going to fulfill the order. And he said, look, I'll help you. I'll help you you know, negotiate your next deal and all those kind of things, but we're just not the right fit for you. And if that wouldn't have happened, they wouldn't have been in business. And I just thought that was amazing that he was humble enough to say, hey, we're not good enough. And basically tell the truth. Like a lot of people would have just carried that all the way through and, and maybe blown a relationship long-term, but because he was humble, because he, he went to the plate and just told the guy how he felt it and, and then asked for help. The guy actually helped him. And now they're this massive company. Yeah. And the thing that I love about that, it, that story too, is like, you're like, oh, cool. They had one experience where they like almost went under and they almost like imploded and wouldn't have existed today. But the reality is like, in their story, that happens like three or four or five times where they almost go under and they almost don't exist to the NVIDIA they are today. 
And a lot of the times it's because of some vision that the CEO had that did not exist in the reality today. And so he's like, we are going all in on this. And it's like, wait, 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 why are we going all in on this? Like, there's no money here. You're like, yeah, because it will come like the market will come. Right. And that's just mind blowing. You want to hear something crazy? Dental marketing agencies are dead. You got that right. They're dead. Why do I say that? Well, we don't consider ourselves a dental marketing agency. We are a growth partner. What that means is, is we help our clients not only create opportunities, but we help them convert them and close them as well. And that is what's needed in the day and age that we live because just getting new patient leads is not enough. You need somebody that's going to help you actually get these new patients into your chair and make sure that there's the right kind of patient for your office. Now, we put together a whole report that will tell you where dental marketing currently is because there's a ton of changes, tons of things are going on with the market, and we broke down what you're going to need to do to stay ahead of the industry and grow the way that you want. The link is down below. Go check it out. Everything is free. I look forward to hearing from you. It is. Yeah, because they did the same thing with cell phones. So later, they built all these chips and there wasn't a demand for it yet. Mm-hmm. They were way ahead of everybody else. And then cell phones came out. Apple dropped the iPhone and now all these processing chips were needed and they were literally the only one to fulfill those needs. And then, so they, they grew like crazy during that time. Then after that, they ended up um, stepping into the space of AI. They said, we're going to step in the AI space and we're going to start developing uh, chips for AI. And it's like 2013, they, 2014, this is not when AI is a buzzword where everyone's kind of jumping on the ship, right? Like this is they are so far ahead of everyone else. No one else can get the chips. No one else can do the work. They're, they're, they've already been building it out for so long ahead of everybody else. It's just absolutely crazy. So I love that story. Yeah. No, he's a, he's an incredible visionary. I think that I know which podcast you listen to. For everyone, go in and study the history of NVIDIA. It is a fascinating story. It's something that's yeah. always funny to me because I always dreamed of a NVIDIA graphics card when I was younger because I wanted to be able to do gaming. But could never afford them, but now they did Bitcoin too. They do a lot of the Bitcoin uh, mining processors too. Yeah, and that was one they they they're like they actually they called the shot there too. They're like, this is going to be a really big item for a little bit, but it's not going to be there forever. And that was kind of the predecessor though to the AI um, chips. It was, yeah, yeah. So do you want to do you want to talk? What do you want to talk about next? Do you want to talk about the so, disruption? Yeah, because I think that there's a lot of a lot of influences right now in dental that are going wrong, right? And part of it, though, is the patient flow, right? So marketing and their patient flow is definitely something that we are seeing a lot of repercussions across the entire industry. What's happening? With, what are you hearing within the companies that you're chatting with? Yeah, so these are big DSOs. So these are not people we would normally work with, right? These aren't people, these aren't our ideal customer, right? And these guys are are really struggling. They're they, they have a couple things working against them. Obviously, labor is super high, but then they're, they're leveraged to the brim. Even the big companies are really leveraged and their interest rates are adjustable. They're not fixed rate interest rates. And so their debt payments are getting really, really high. So the only way to combat that as a business, just from a biz, simple business model, is you have to increase your revenue. Well, how do you increase revenue? Got to be able to market. And so a lot of, if you've ever, I, I, I've seen different people from these big DSOs, you know, thousand or up, locations, I've seen them present like we have this many dentists and we have this many operators and we have this many, you know, a team members. And then we have a six person marketing team, right? And it's just like, 
whoa, like you barely have anybody doing marketing for how many locations you have. And so everybody's always ran lean on marketing and dental. And the reason for that is you just didn't really need to be able to increase new patient flow because it was pretty easy just to maintain off of patient referrals. And we'll have somebody there to build a website and kind of runs ads. And we don't really know what comes from it, but we'll just do it because we have to. That's kind of been everybody's attitude. Well, now is the time that people have to pull that lever to grow and they don't have it. Their cost to acquire customers five, 10 times more than it should be. And they're like, what do we do? And so I'm kind of getting dragged into some of these conversations of how would, should we build this out? What's going on? And there's, it's kind of two ends though, to the story. Yes, there's the marketing side, but then there's the data side that you're, you've been talking about. And that kind of goes into the next topic that we're going to talk about in a moment that you had a viral uh, LinkedIn post. So what are your thoughts on that? What are you hearing? Kind of how do you see it from your perspective? No, I think you're absolutely right. Like the consumers in general, there's still a, even though we haven't hit a recession yet, there is this vibe of a potential recession. And so I think that consumers are naturally pulling away from any kind of uh, additional spending, right? And so because of that, you're starting to see this dip in visits from Mark, I mean, from dentists, and you're absolutely right. Like they have not mastered the skill set of being able to control the valve, right? Like you always say, like, let's turn up, open the valve and like get a lot of new patients. We can close the valve if we need to, et cetera. But they have just gotten so used to leaving the valve open that they don't like once it starts slowing down, they don't know what to do. They don't have that yep. skill set. Or they go and throw they, more money at it and it caught their their cost to acquire a customer goes through the roof, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then problem something that I mean, even personally, I, I admit that as I look at how I operated a DSO, that was never something that I optimized. Like I knew I was like, oh, I'll outsource this because I know that I should be doing it, but I'm not going to go in and actually kind of like hold them accountable for specific results and sit there and fine tune them. Like, sure, if we get something great, if we don't, great. And it was because we just dominated on like patient retention and making sure that that happened. And so and then we had a lot of natural patient flow because the economy was good at the time. Yeah. Right? So I definitely yeah. feel guilty of that. And as I'm sitting there putting myself in like a DSO operator shoe, I would probably do the exact same thing, which is what they're doing is saying, okay, well, we've got to figure this out. Let's put some time and attention into it. And, and it requires, uh, honestly, it requires a lot more uh, in-depth, I mean, in, in-house analysis and planning than just outsourcing it, right? Like, I think that the outsourcing team, it has to be in partnership with the strategy of the in-house. Well, a lot of these, a lot of these uh, bigger DSOs are all in-house. So they have their own teams. They're small, but they have their own teams. And it creates a lot of problems because if you have a doctor-led organization, which most of the DSOs are like doctors first is kind of their attitude. um, What ends up happening is, is you have doctor-led marketing and that does not end well for results. I happen to know, like ballpark, what your guys is when you were operating, uh, your cost to acquire a customer was like a range. And these guys are, these bigger groups are at like three, uh, no, let's see. Yeah. Five times what you were at. Mm, Interesting. Five times to acquire a customer. And so you can't, it doesn't make sense because you don't make, you don't make back your money on that patient till like year two or three at that point. When it's, when you, if you're, if your cost to acquire a customer is that high. So anyways, I just think it's interesting. I think there's going to be more and more people I'm noticing too. I don't know if you see this, 
all these executive seats are swapping out, which is usually never a good sign. That means. Oh yeah. Yeah, I've seen that a lot, actually. I'm curious though, from your perspective, is it, because there's obviously like the marketing is impacted by like the reputation or brand of the office, right? And so there's a point in which you start have to putting more money into it just because they're not converting for these like online digital presence type things, right? But then there's also like, you're not going in and optimizing where you're spending that money either, right? You need to go in and identify better keywords or more kind of unique niche keywords for your area, et cetera, right? Which one of the two do you think is the problem? Is it that they've got such bad reputation that they're going, there's no fix and that they have to continue to have such a high cost to acquire a customer? I think it's, so it's a, there's a couple of different things. It's, it's just complex. So first, the, the first thing where everybody gets it wrong is that just because you have a DSO does not mean that you do marketing at scale. Marketing is always local, unless you have one brand. If you have one brand, right. then you can kind of get some of that scalability, like Aspen, right, is a good example of that. So they can do marketing. They can run a television commercial nationwide. And, and, and um, the other one is like, um, uh, what's the implant one that does all? Uh, clear, clear Choice. Choice. Yeah, Clear Choice, right? Those, those kind of brands can do uh, marketing at scale. When you have a but local I, office. But to just to make a side note on that too, I know the founding team behind Clear Choice and the amount of time and energy and money that goes into optimizing those national brand campaigns. Very, 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 very few DSOs should ever consider doing that because you should not just put a number on a, on a, a commercial and expect it all of a sudden to turn into patients. Like there is, no. they're going in and they're doing like it's real patient, marketing, um, profiling, right? Yeah, they're real marketing. real marketing, real marketing, yeah. like so, marketing. They're competing against their the way they're thinking about it is we're competing against cruises and RVs and things like that. Okay, so if you so are listening to this podcast, you are a part of the second group. So don't even yes. pay attention to that first. Group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so what happens with these DSOs? They're like, hey, well, when we were small, we were spending five five to 10% on marketing. Now that we're bigger, we're going to spend a smaller percentage. So we're only going to spend 3% because we have the economies of scale in our favor, but you actually don't because each of the practices are all different brands are all spread out differently. So you have to literally restart the marketing strategy every single time. Now there's some things you can optimize and things like that and make it easier and smoother, but that's, that's number one. Number two, they have no clarity on operational bandwidth. All the things that you were working at when you were in the DSO was like, how much room do we actually have to grow? They don't. They don't have clarity around that. Uh, most most of the groups, and then and then like just simple things like what's your conversion rate of a marketing patient on the phones, or what's you know how many missed opportunities do you have? Just figuring this basic things out. Most of these groups do not have that. They've built their own CRMs. They've built their own uh, PMSs. They've done all these things, but they built it from a doctor's perspective which does not address a lot of the business concerns that we're addressing here. After you have that, if you fix those things and you have mediocre marketing, you'll do okay. But if you don't fix those things and you have amazing marketing, the marketing almost doesn't matter. And that's the part that everybody gets lost in the sauce is like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I have the best marketing in the world, but your, your operation isn't set up for that. It's going to feel like your marketing sucks. So that's, that's the long and the short of it from my perspective. I think that what you're reiterating or what I'm hearing is, and this is something that I find myself guilty of too, people always look to quickly optimize something that is does not change human behavior, 
right? The moment they have to change human behavior, that change management difficulty goes up and they don't want to do it, right? So you're saying you got to go in and optimize your phones. They're like, no, I'd rather throw money at a new ad campaign because I don't have to change human behavior, but I have to go and change human behavior in order to improve my phones. Yeah, you do. Yeah, and you have to change that and like how many patient referrals you're getting. That's another big thing right now is like people don't realize if you're at 20% patient referrals and you're at 80% marketing, something's broken in your organization. Shouldn't be that ratio. You should be around 60, 40, unless you have some kind of special sh- setup or doctor only referrals. I'm talking about general GP practices. Should be around 50, 50, 60, 40. And so what I'm seeing is, is you're having people who are leaning on marketing more, which is great for marketing, but right. you're actually just putting a bandaid on a head wound that's going to potentially kill you because you're not retaining those customers. And we always talk about DSO consolidation and how there's phases of consolidation. Right now we've been, and we have been in the last like 10, 15 years, the consolidation of land grab, right? The next phase is once you start getting where land grab is no longer an option to grow, you have to get into optimization. And you're right, that's the no, a lot of these larger groups don't have that skill set of how do I go in and optimize for each individual practice, marketing and or operations. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So let's talk about so your let's, uh, LinkedIn post. Yeah. So there was, so I did a post a couple of weeks ago about how data accessibility, and this is something that I preach all the time, right? Data accessibility is a big uh, barrier, if not the largest barrier to DSO's growth, right? You cannot go in and fine tune or fix something if you don't know what's wrong. And the data is there to indicate what's wrong. So, anyways, I posted about that and just kind of made a general, uh, announcement like hey who here has this problem right and and got a it got a huge amount of traction like a lot of people are like hey yeah we've totally been there even a lot of uh third-party companies are like oh yeah that's a huge issue for us like we want to build these great resources but we can't we can't access the data right but what happened though that i wasn't expecting was that it actually went international so i got not just like one or two people from other countries but i got quite a few of them from other countries Right. One of them being kind of the largest DSO in Europe. So I've had the opportunity to start connecting and understanding a little bit more of the DSO space in Europe. And the differences have been fascinating to me. Right. Like when you hear people talk about DSOs in the States, they always talk about how we're relatively young and and it's because of the fact that we're a young industry that we don't have a lot of this growth and innovation, blah, blah, blah. Right. And so it a lot of those kind of say, okay, we de- to grow a DSO, we've got these challenges to overcome in the States, right? As I've started talking to the European DSO market, I think that the problems that we have are cakewalk compared to the problems <laughs> that they have, yeah. right? Like some of the differences that I identified as I was chatting with these different people is like one of them is like, and in the States, probably I think it was like the 80s or so, insurance companies did a good push, dental insurance companies did a good push to ingrain in our culture the need to go to a dental office two times a year, right? Like when I ever, if I were to ask you, Gary, how many times should you go to the dental office? Your go-to answer is going to be once every six months. Once every six months, right? And that was a result of some marketing efforts that the ADA and insurance companies did a long time ago. And it's part of our culture now. Yeah. If you go in and you look at the insurance and the uh, dental culture across these other countries, they don't even have the culture of once a year, right? It is only... Do you want want uh, to know what it's like? 
Yeah. So this is what I think it's closer to. So you, you know how we kind of look at like plastic surgery. So we think of like facelifts or like tummy tucks or other implants and things like that. We kind of look at that and go, do you really need that? Like you can get it if you want, but do you really need that? Right. It's kind of like an extra, like super luxury type item. Right. I feel like from the people I've talked to in Europe and these other places, dental's kind of looked at that way. Yeah, it is. And I think there is, there is a shift happening right now. Right. So I was able to chat with the chief dental, I mean, the chief uh, medical officer of these groups. And they said that there's a really big push, especially kind of in these 20 to 30 year olds, right? These young millennials that are kind of starting out, they're getting these good paying jobs, uh, middle-class jobs where they are getting a good push for dental and they're starting to get into the habit of it once a year. So there's that push there, that demographic as it gets older, will start changing dental across what country? the country. Like what country are you referring to here? Uh, France, Germany, it's kind of across the board. Like, yes. And that's another big thing is that population wise, it's fragmented across all these different countries, which yes, they have the EU and they have some standardization across the EU, but there's still differences from country to country. Right. And so what is typical in France, like France has a statewide healthcare system, whereas like other ones are more privatized. And so this creates again, another dynamic that's unique from country to country. And so as you're a DSO, like we think about like localized or regionalized DSOs, right? I'm going to buy, I'm going to build 10 offices here, and then maybe I'll go into the next state next door and I'll build another 10 offices there. And those create minor differences, right? There's some laws that are different from state to state, but this is really what the reality is in Europe is like, I'm going to build a handful of offices here in this country, but I'm going to go into a whole new political different country in order to get that right so now i've got different languages i got different cultures i got different politics like all these things that i have to overcome that in order to do that like if i were to just shift from one country to another let's say we go from stateside billing with only one single pair to france which is primarily one stateside with a with 60 different private insurance companies right so now as a pms or as a technology company i have to be able to adapt to both one of those situations Right. And so what they end up doing is that they are not getting like we complain about data decentralization or, or what technology is available to us, et cetera. They're so much farther behind because there's not an economic advantage to somebody coming in and building a solution for all of these different countries. Yeah. Right. Because yeah, when so I was they're sitting I just there having to, to make it up. So I, I just went to Turkey and Greece. So in Greece, the dental office is super small. You can tell it's just local people. But in Turkey, they had these very beautiful dental offices, which I thought was fascinating. And then I realized they're a big spot for dental tourism. And, mm. and so, yeah, you, it's just crazy to see the difference between those two countries, how one country is optimizing for dental tourism, the other one's optimizing for local, like Medicaid type insurance and kind of just serving people Two totally different outcomes and the level of dental health. is going to be totally different in those two places or the, the opportunity to get your teeth done. And then I have, I've had people reach out to me from like Saudi Arabia, Dubai. Those are like big time, um, high end dental practices. People spend a lot of money, fix their teeth. Right. But now that I'm kind of thinking through this, those kind of places aren't really set up for your like general care. They're more set up for, to fix your mouth. So oh, yeah. a lot of local people aren't going to be able to even take advantage of those opportunities. Um, so I, I, yeah, it's a big, it's way bigger of a problem than what we face here in America. 
It was fascinating. So sitting there thinking about how would I scale out a group like that, their reimbursement rates are lower because of the fact that they have a lot lower uh, payment payers structures out there. And I mean, it's just fascinating kind of all the problems. And they, they went through this, a lot of the similar history that we did, which was there's some companies that got into it, really blew up and got big, went public, ended up getting a lot of like repercussions and ended up having to go and shut down and put the whole country behind. Like they were sitting there explaining to me how, like, as I explained that about America, they're like, we literally went through that like 10 years ago only. Right? Yeah. For us, it was in the 90s, but for them, it was like yesterday. Wow, that's crazy. So when, when do you think DSOs start going to these other countries and start the growth that way? You have India, you have China, you have Europe. Like it's ripe, ripe, ripe for someone to come in and, and take advantage of it. I knew a DSO out of Southeast Asia, they were in Taiwan, the Philippines, like all the, like all of those different countries, but their model was, um, focused on, uh, uh, oh my gosh, what are they called? Uh, People living abroad. Oh my gosh. Tourists? Expats. Expats. Their model was focused on expats. So they went and built these offices in ex- large expat communities across these different countries, focusing on the wealth of them kind of being an expat in itself, right? And so they weren't focused on the dental care of the local market, but there was an opportunity there to create a brand because when you're in that kind of community, you do transfer from country to country. And so they were able to capitalize on that brand recognition as these expats move around. I wonder, so, I don't well, ever know what happened to them. Good talk. Well, this has been a really good episode. I appreciate it. All right, man. That's the pops. Peace.